lot of times we talk about, especially during this season, the cross of Jesus. And we should. We should. It's important. Every month we take communion as a church family to, to elevate, what Je- to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross, the death and, and the burial of, of Jesus. And, and we often talk about the compassion of Christ and what, what, he's, what He's able to do in our lives and the miracle that He's able to work. And, and we should. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. And, and, and over the next couple of weeks, I'll probably preach some of that. But, but oftentimes we miss the competency of Jesus. We talk about His cross. We talk about the compassion of Christ, but we miss the competency of Christ. In other words, the, the, literally what Dallas Willard, the great theologian, uh, said is, is the genius of Jesus is where we stole the title from, if you just want to know. The genius of Jesus, sort of that, the, the brilliance that, that what he said and how he lived and the miracles he performed and the life that he lived really can apply to your life. And, and it can change your day-to-day life. And, and this week, if you're here for the first time, kind of the way we work series, this is going to be a foundation week, so give me a little bit of time to just teach you this week. And then the next several weeks, we'll, we'll sort of dive in a, a whole lot further into the genius of Christ. But, but we're going to look at His teachings over the next few weeks. And we're going to look at His words. And we're going to look at His miracles, what He, what he performed, the miracles that He performed in the New Testament. We're going to look at His instructions to us. What He told us to do, what He told us not to do. We're going to look at the warnings of Jesus. Be warned about this. We're going to look at His invitation to come. We're going to look at the invitations that He gave to people, the principles, the genius that really was Christ. What I think is the brilliance of Christ that you can apply to your daily life. We'll start today by talking about tests. We're talking about tests today. If you're, if you're taking notes, you can write that at the top. <clears throat> There'll be a test at the end. There won't be. What if I did, though? Wouldn't that be awesome if, we, if I could give tests? I think it'd be fantastic. You guys are school teachers. Wouldn't that be so good? Everybody, your Scantron's on the way down the, you know, the list. You still use Scantron? Is that still a thing? Yeah? Ah, good, good, good. It's been 20 years, man. Uh, and, and your number two sharpened pencil and, and, and I, how many of you, let me ask, we'll start with it. We'll start with a question. How many of you were, were just not good test takers? You just, you froze up on the test. Let me see your hands. Come on, hands up all over. You, you know the material. You just, you're, when the test comes around, you're just like, I can't do it. All right, hands up. How many of you uh, wish that was true and that would explain your grade point average? Come on, where you at? <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. I'm just not good on tests. That's, yeah, that's the thing. How many of you, how many of you, um, uh, how many of you enjoy taking tests? Where, where are those people at? Keep your hands up so we know who we can beat up. Um, enjoy taking tests. You're, you're the people in class that would always raise your hand when, when, when we're, we're, we're close to the bell, and you would say, um, um, ma'am, I thought, I thought we had a quiz today, didn't we? Like, and you remind them about the test. You know what I mean? Keep your hands up again so we really can see who we don't like. Uh, we, we love you. You're welcome here. We just don't like you. <laughs> so... Uh, uh, not not a good test taker. Just I'm, you know, just you freeze up about it. How many of you were were the people that cram for a test like right at the end? There you go. That's what I'm talking about. That's those are my people. I'm with you on this. The night before, you just you're caffeinated, and and I just I'm, I'm I just I get it all in, and I spit it all out on the test. And the moment I leave the test, I can't remember not one thing, nothing, not one thing. I don't even remember what class it was. I don't even remember what, what the thing was about. I, 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 I tell you the thing I hated the most in school, and, and I'm going to confess, it's, been, it's literally been over 20 years since I've been in a classroom, but one of the things I hated the most 
uh, or formal classroom. Let me say it that way. I hated, I hated that one test that you had to take. You ever had that teacher? And I, we have a lot of educators here today. By the way, none of y'all do this. I'm talking about the terrible teachers you work with. Um, <laughs> just for clarity, let me let me clear that up. But but I hated that that the teacher that you would have that one test that would account for like fifty percent of your grade. Do you know what I'm talking about on that? And usually they didn't tell you that until they passed it out and you had your number two pencil. You know what I mean? And you and and, and you were like you treated it like every other test, and then they told you, oh by the way, the last nine months you've spent in school only count for ten percent. 80% of your grade or 90%, see how bad I am at math? You, some of y'all didn't catch that. You, you're, 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 this test counts for the majority of your grade. Anybody know what I'm talking about on that? You, I hated that, man. Because it was like, like my performance on this one thing determines my grade. And, and, and then we make a big deal. I don't, is it is like the SAT, is that that's still a big deal? Yeah, it's still a big deal for everybody. I just read this the other day, true story on on uh, on on the Google uh, that um, that the scoring for SATs are now higher. Like the highest score of an SAT now is twenty four hundred, and so when you look at my score percentage wise, I'm not you know it looks worse than it really is anyway. Uh, it look, but but you put all this on, like all of this on the SAT or the ACT, you know, and and I remember in school uh, that there was just so much pressure for that one test. You know, you start talking about it when you're like four. You know, <laughs> you're like Listen, honey, there's going to be a test in a few years of your life, and it's going to determine everything about your life, you know, like the quality of life you have, the color of eyes that your children have, whether or not you're successful, whether you marry an ugly person. Like, this test matters more than anything else. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so there's all this pressure. And so I would have friends, not me, but I had friends that that took ACT or SAT preparation, and they would take it multiple times to prepare. Anybody do that? Why? That's so. That's so weird. Like one's enough for me. You know what I mean? It was. I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna practice failing. I, I can do that naturally. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't. I don't need practice on that. But we have this so much weight on this one test. And it, and it, again, if you're in education, I, I, honestly, uh, I applaud you. What what a calling that God has on your life for that. And and we need it. We don't pay teachers enough. You ought to be amening to this. And and we don't we don't take care of them enough and educators enough and we need we need uh, matter of fact I talked to a member of our team this morning a member of the dream team this morning who's graduating going into education and she's called to do it she's going to be an amazing educator and uh, you ought to you ought to give all those teachers a hand come on everybody <laughs> testing sort of the hardest part of that whole thing it's the hardest part and and so many times I found in in Christianity that people view Christianity as this one heavily graded test. Like what like how I pass this one test at the end of my life accounts for it weights more than everything else in my life. And and we hate taking write this down. We hate taking tests. We don't like taking tests, but we like what's tested. We hate taking tests. I, I hate hate the idea of testing on a subject but we, but I also hate the I equally hate the idea of using something that's not <clears throat> that's not tested. Let, let me give you a, uh, let me give you an example. I'm glad somebody tested the brakes on my car before I bought it. Come on, amen, everybody. I'm, I'm glad I wasn't the first one to get in and go. I hope this works. I hope I hope these work. 
I'm I'm glad I'm glad that that uh, somebody tested. I, I'm glad that the pilot of my airplane. I'm I'm a little scared of flying. A little I've, I've flown a lot in my life, and and I don't know. Just the older I've gotten, I just get a little bit of anxiety about it. Just leave me alone. It's a control issue I have uh, about flying. But I'm super glad that my pilot just didn't get in the cockpit and say, you know what, I just kind of feel led by the Spirit today, I'm going to do this, and just, you know, God's going to give me what to do, just God, which button do I push now, <laughs> you know what I mean, like, I'm glad somebody tested that joker, come on everybody, I'm glad, I'm glad somebody, I'm glad he went through, he went through testing, and, 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 and because I trust what's tested, I'm glad the equipment on, on the airplane is tested, I don't like testing, but I'm, I'm glad I'm happy about what's tested. I'm glad my doctor went through 12 years of college and was tested, everybody. And they're still practicing medicine on us. Anyway, that's another story. But but I'm glad they're tested. Like, I'm glad they don't just look at me and go, now, now what? I don't know exactly what's in there right there, what you're talking about right now. Like, I'm glad they're tested. I'm glad the medicine that he prescribes you before you put it in your body has been tested. I'd rather kill rats than me. Come on. Love rats, love all the animals, come on, but, but I'm just glad it's been tested somewhere else. Because I don't like testing, but I like, I, I like what's tested. I, I like what's tested because what's tested can be trusted. Would you write that down in your notes? What's tested can be trusted. What, what, if, if I've tested the airplane, I can trust when I get on it, barring any emergency, I can trust it. I can trust the pilot. I can trust the brakes in my car. I can trust the car because I've, I've, I've tested it before. And, and what's tested in your life can be trusted in your life. So, so let me just sidebar and tell you, sometimes the testing of your life is for the trusting of your life. Sometimes the, you go through tests in your life so that, so that you'll know this thing will work. It, it, it a trust most most people are familiar with the way I grew up with the evangel what I call the evangelism final test. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's an old model where you would literally this is sort of the way I grew up. Maybe you grew up if you grew up in church like this, where you would ask somebody just randomly on the street. You'd have a handful of what we call tracks. Anybody? You'd have a handful, <clears throat> and they would have little drawings of people burning in hell. It was it was super positive and. And you would ask somebody, this was the question, here's the final test. If you were to die tonight, are you certain you'd spend eternity in heaven with God? Now, I never understood, even as a, as a child, why people only died at night. There was a lot of night deaths. Nobody ever died during the day. Um, anyway, so if you died tonight, uh, would, you, would you spend eternity? And, and, and I felt like I was a good legalist. I was a very good Pharisee for the majority of my, uh, of my childhood. And I felt like I had the answer key that nobody else had. <clears throat> and so you had to answer it just my way. I grew up in a, in a very special sect of Phariseeism that had to have the exact wording right. Anybody know what I'm talking about on that? And if you didn't use the exact wording right, you're going to hell, and I got the answer key, and I get to decide who goes to heaven or hell. And this final test carries all the weight. How, how you answer, you couldn't answer with I'm a good person. Eh, you're going to hell. And, I, and honestly, as a good Pharisee, I took, I took a lot of pride in, in believing people were going to hell. It's a problem with legalism, by the way. 
uh, is that it's, it's not dependent on uh, people going to heaven. It, it assumes everybody's going to hell but you. And, and, so, and so I had, this, I had this, you know, this answer key. Well, I've done this. I've, I've helped people. I go to church. Doesn't matter. You're going to hell. I'm, I've, I've, I go to this church. Not even the right church. You're going to hell double. You know what I mean? You're going, uh, well, I've, you, had to, you had to have this certain language down that you got it right or you'd go to hell with gasoline britches, you know, and, and, that's, and I took pride in that because it was this final test. And I think a lot of people, I'll be frank with you, I know it's funny now, but I think a lot of Christians still live like there's only one final test. And that that final test has all the weight. And listen, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you. It, there's some truth in that, in that what you've done with your life, whether or not you've accepted the Lord, whether or not you've repented of your sins, made Jesus Lord of your life and follow Him all the days of your life, that matters. I'm, not, I'm honestly not minimizing this. Here's what I want to suppose, though. Here's the idea of this whole series. What if you don't die tonight? What if you don't die tonight? I would end preaching. Don't please don't please for the love of all that's pure and holy. Don't find any preaching of me early in my ministry. But I would I would find hope we've tried to scrub the internet of it. So anyway, so I, I would I, I, we would I would end with a sad story about a car wreck. You know what I'm saying? I'm this is I mean it's tragic, but I'm being honest with you. And, and, and you'd get everybody to this point of, well, I'm gonna, like, it's, pro- it's probable that I'm going to die tonight, so i got, I got to do all this stuff, you know, to get ready for dying tonight. The problem with that is what if you don't die tonight? And you get up tomorrow and you don't have the tools to live. You've just got the tools to die. The only material you know is the material for the test of dying. And you don't have any material for the test of living. You don't have the answer key for how do I face when my marriage falls apart. I didn't die last night. I just got up this morning married to somebody that I'm not happy with. Now what do I do? Well, I didn't have the answer key to that. I only had the answer key to how do you die at night. I, I, I only had, what if, what, what if there's a more important question that what about the days you wake up? How do you live your life? And Jesus, listen to me. Jesus of Nazareth was teaching people not only how to leave the earth and spend eternity in heaven, but he was also teaching them a way to live on the earth. He taught them how to die and how to live. Would you write that down? It's not in your notes. And if you don't know both, then you're not following fully the God of the Bible. The Jesus who loves you enough to prepare you for the afterlife, and he loves you enough to fix your life now. That you, you have to have, uh, we, we have this idea that there's a weighted test, that the only answer I have to have is, well, I'm saved. Okay, well, that answers that test. But what if you don't die tonight? How do you get up tomorrow and live your life fully surrendered to Christ? And I meet tons of Christians who are ready for the answer on that day. They just don't have a da- an answer for Monday mornings or Tuesday or Wednesday. Their lives are not submitted to Christ. Jesus was not just he, just, he didn't just teach your ticket out of earth. He was your teacher on earth. Let me say that again. Jesus was not just, and he can't just be your ticket off the earth. He's got to be your teacher while you're still on the earth. Your life has to be surrendered to him. I think we've lost the art of discipleship, my brothers and sisters. 
how we surrender our lives. And, and, and I believe it. Listen, I tell you with all of my heart, you know, the, first, the first part of the vision of our house is that you come to know God. And ultimately, I want you to know Him to the point that He changes your life, saves you so that you are ready for eternity in heaven with Him. But once we've settled the answer to that question, now we still got more questions about how we live our daily lives, about how we surrender our lives. So many people are trusting Jesus for the life after this one, but they don't know how to trust Him for their day-to-day life. They know how to trust Him for that life. They just don't know how to trust Him with their finances. I don't know how to trust Him in my relationships. I don't know how to trust Him. Does He have anything to say about my joy? Does He have anything to say? Listen, you might not die tonight. Let me just be frank with you. I'm trying to overcompensate for all the times I told you you probably were going to die tonight. And it wasn't you. It was all the other congregations I preached to that I I would scare them into you're going to die tonight. Look into my eyes. You'll probably live tonight. 25, 45, you may have 65 more years of living. I talked to somebody this morning on our dream team whose father's 78 years old. 78 used to be the end. Guys, that's not that old. I mean, you know what, especially the older you get. Come on, everybody. It always gets older like that. 78, that's not that bad. It's not that old. Medicine's progressed, and people are living well into their 80s and 90s with health and independence. And you probably are going to get up tomorrow. What tools do you have to do that? You've trusted Him to save you if you die, but have you trusted Him for your life if you wake up? Do do you have the tools that He's got? Is He relevant to my life, or is He just relevant to my death? And listen, I think modern Christianity has relegated Christ to only answering the question of your death. And and, and we've missed the point that, that there's genius in Christ for how you live your everyday life. That you can surrender your whole life to Him here on earth. Not just trusting Him for eternity, but trusting Him to help you walk. The real test is not what I'll say to Christ when I die. The real test is will I follow Christ my whole life while I'm still alive. It's not what I say on that day. It's what I say tomorrow. The most brilliant teacher you've ever heard, look into my eyes, isn't me. It isn't me. It isn't any other Bible teacher you've ever heard. It isn't any Bible study you're currently in. The the most brilliant teacher who's ever lived is the one we all represent, everybody. That's the most brilliant. Jesus preached with such power and wisdom that sometimes, listen, the room was so packed, just people to hear him preach, that you would literally have to tear off the roof and lower people down into the roof they ran out of seats everywhere don't worry about adding another service at City Hills everybody I want it to get to where Jesus is so elevated we got to do everything we possibly can just to get people close to him you know what I'm saying it was such good stuff whatever he was saying was so powerful tens of thousands of people would follow every time he would stop on a hillside Every time he would sit down on a hillside. The Bible, listen listen close, the Bible does not just give us the right way to live. The longer I serve God and pastor people, the more I realize the Bible gives us the best way to live. The Bible does not just give you the right way to live. I think it gives you the best way to live. I, 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 think, I think so many people just relegate it to, well, it's right or wrong. i got to do it that way or this way. The Bible and its teachings and the ways of Jesus don't just prepare you for, for, for uh, the life after this one. It gives you purpose for the life you're currently living. It's practical. It's powerful. It's purposeful. I want you to fall in love with the principles in this book. I want you to fall in love with the genius of the one who not only can save you for heaven, but can save you tomorrow.
can save your heartache, can fix what's wrong in your finances, in your marriage, in your relationship. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm just laying a foundation for you that there's genius to this beyond heaven and hell. This stuff in this book, listen to me, it works. It just works, everybody. If, if you'll apply it, it, it'll work. If it's not working in your life, look into my eyes, it's because you're not working it. If it's not working in your life, it's because you aren't working it. Because the genius of Jesus works. Look at your neighbor. T- t- just touch him on the shoulder and say, this stuff works. This stuff works. It just works. It, it just works. I tell people all the time about products that I like, like, like AdvoCare. I'm trying to get everybody on Spark right now. I'm high on Spark as we speak, everybody. The Spark is, a, it's, I don't know if it's all natural. I don't know what it is. Don't, don't try to tell me. I know it's got caffeine in it. I know it's probably killed monkeys or rats or whatnot. But I love it, and it's AdvoCare. And I tell everybody about it because it, uh, it, it gives me energy and focus without a hard crash. I'm selling it to you because it works. It works for me. What if your evangelism strategy to your friends and family and coworkers was not, hey, if you die tonight or you're going to go to heaven, what if you looked at them and said, hey, listen, there's some stuff that's worked for me. There's some stuff that's working in my marriage. It's working in our finances. It's working in my peace. I'm, I'm happier. I've got joy. We've got, we're not yelling at each other. Nobody's punching a hole in a wall anymore. Come on, there's stuff. that This stuff works, everybody. If you'll apply it in your life, the genius of Jesus is that it works. It gives me peace, everybody. It produces joy in my life. It calms down my fear and my anxiety. Look into my eyes. I felt led to tell you this today. I didn't even write it in my notes. But the Bible says to be anxious for nothing. Anxiety comes from the enemy. You look at me and let me prophesy over you. Anxiety has to go when you, but in all things, the rest of that verse says, you make prayer and thanksgiving to God. If you'll work it, it'll work. The cure for anxiety, I'm not talking about chemical imbalance. I know there's some times you got to get some help. Go get all the help that you need for all of that. But if you're dealing with fear and anxiety, it's because you're not working the stuff that works. Is that okay, everybody? I hope you come back next week because I'm not telling you you're bad for it. I'm telling you this stuff works. There's a cure for the stuff that's wrong in your life. It gives peace to me. It gives birth to wisdom in my life. I need wisdom as a father. I I, I got a seven-year-old little girl. Come on, everybody. I need wisdom. You know what I'm saying? I mean that. I need wisdom already. I I thought it would take longer, Henry. I thought it would be 13, 14. It's not. It's seven, okay? That's, you got a little girl, look at me. You know. You, I, I need wisdom. I, 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 need, I need to know what to do. It answers the deepest questions in my life. It doesn't just take care of my eternity. It, it gives me wisdom for tomorrow. And I, over the next five weeks, I want you to open your heart to the genius of your life surrendered to Christ today. Not just trusting Him for then. We don't need tricks. We don't need tips. We don't need techniques. I, I need something that changes my life. I need something that works. You understand what I'm telling you? I don't want this church to be built on gimmicks or tricks or techniques. I want it to be built on the transforming power of God in your life. That the genius of Jesus works in your life. Truth that gets down deep in your life. And Jesus was the masterful teacher. As a matter of fact, and I don't have time today and I won't preach the whole thing today. But, but, but the first sermon Jesus ever preached, we call the Sermon on the Mount. We do that because he preached it on a mount. Because Christians are clever like that, and and it, and he opens up like and he opens up like this. 
uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 and 1. This is what he says. Now, the Sermon on the Mount is recorded in Luke, but it's a very short version. Uh, Matthew is much, gives much more detail of the teaching. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, there they are again. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside. He hadn't even taught yet. They were just following him in case he decided to preach something. And he sat down, and his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. Then this begins an amazing three chapters. Matter of fact, I'd love for you to read it as homework. Matthew 5, 6, and 7, we call the Sermon on the Mount. And he would say things that were profound. Like if you have lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. If you have hatred in your heart for another person, you've already murdered that person. It doesn't mean it's the same thing as murder and sex. People always ask me, well, Pastor, if it's the same thing, why don't I just do it? Because it's not the same thing, but the, the, the brilliance of Christ is that he told you it destroys your heart the same way as if you've already done it. Right? It dest- it, it, the destruction of sin has already begun if it's already in your heart. It has the same effect on your heart as if you already did it. That's profound, deep teaching. I mean, things, things that people had never heard b- before, th- things, that, things that were genius about their life. And it starts, the, 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 the Sermon on the Mount starts with this very simple teaching that I'd love to teach you in a different series, and I think I will. I, I, I'm really praying about a whole series on, on, on what we call the Beatitudes. They're actually supernatural blessings that God has for your life. Nine supernatural blessings God has for you if you'll apply the teachings of this genius to your life. And it begins with something so simple like, Blessed are the poor in spirit. It sounds super simple. It, so, it sounds, but it's, so, but it's so profound and life-changing if you'll apply it to your life. And, and, so he, and so he preaches, and I'm skipping a whole bunch of stuff, and he finishes the Sermon on the Mount, and he talks about everything, how to treat people, how to, how, how, how to help people, how to, how, to be kind, how to get joy in your life. He talks about giving, just everything. It really just a, just a genius message. And then, it, and, then it ends, and then it ends like this in Matthew 7, 28. And, and, and so Jesus had finished saying these things. He finished preaching. And the crowds were, underline this in your Bible, they were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. They were amazed at his teaching. They weren't bored with his teaching. They, they weren't distracted by his teaching. They weren't disinterested by his teaching. The whole time they're punching their neighbor going, you've got to write that down. That's, I've never heard that before in my life. That's the, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. You know, like, like a lot of you, you know. Like, I, I've never heard that before. That's, I'm kidding. N- none of you do that. Actually. I, I've never heard that. That's amazing. They're, they're amazed by it. They're not, they're not just thinking, oh, I've heard this before. Blessed are the poor in spirit. I've heard that all of my life. I was raised in church. I, 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 know, I know the golden rule. Do to others like you'd have them do to you. I've, I've heard that all of my life. I've never No, no, no. When Jesus taught it, it was brilliance, and they were amazed by it. And I just want to lay the foundation for the genius of Jesus to know why was he so amazing, and why do I think he's worth your whole life. Here's three reasons. Write these down very quickly and we'll go. The first one is that he he taught with simplicity. Would you write that down? He taught with simplicity, preached with simplicity. Now I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to be divisive and I'm certainly not trying to be offensive to you. But the, some of the deepest people I've ever met are some of the most shallow people I've ever met. Do you, you understand what I'm talking about? <clears throat> people who always like deep things usually don't like to apply simple things. 
the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they, they put so many rules and so many, it was systems on top of systems on top of systems on top of systems to get to God. Blockades and walls that the average person in Jesus' day, really, he didn't even know how to get to God. He's like, I don't know, man. I don't, maybe I'm supposed to do this. or maybe I don't even know how to get there. Because religion always complicates and Jesus always simplifies. He made it simple. Now listen, he did not make it easy. He made it simple. And there's a difference because Jesus one day was asked, Jesus, tell us what the greatest commandment is. And he would say it's simple. It's, it's, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second's like unto the same, that you love your neighbor as yourself. And I can see all the religious people waiting for there to be more. Yeah, there's that and all that other stuff. Don't forget, Jesus, all that other stuff. No, 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 that's it. That's simple, but it ain't easy. I don't know about your neighbors, but it ain't easy for me. Come on, everybody. It's simple, but it ain't easy. Some people believe if it's not easy, it's not spiritual enough. No, no, no. It's simple, it's, but it's not easy. As a matter of fact, you can live the rest of your life working out what it means to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. I think you're supposed to live the rest of your life trying to work that out in your life. It's simple, but it's not easy. We think if we overcomplicate it until, until people don't understand it, listen close, look at me in the eyes. We think if we over-spiritualize and complicate complicate it so that we don't understand it, then we won't be responsible to do anything about it. If I say things like, I don't know, really, I, you know, man, prayer is such a mystery. Ooh, it's just a mystery to me. You know, just the prayers, so mysterious. Nothing mysterious about praying at all. You just talk to God. It's a conversation with God. But if you'll make it deep and mystical and spiritual, then you don't have to do it. By the way, I'm, since I went ahead and smacked you in the face, I'm going to smack you one more time. Look at me in the eyes. Giving. Giving's not, there's no complex. I don't know. I don't know really. Just tithings as a pastor. Just don't understand. Sure he is. Just 10% of everything you have belongs to God. But if I, if I act like I don't understand it, I don't, I'm not responsible to do it. Because we overcomplicate. I, <laughs> since I'm here, let me go ahead and tell you. Religious people would rather debate rather than do. Every religious person I've ever met, not y'all, but second service is full of them. Uh, religious people would <laughs> religious people would rather debate. I don't know if that's what that really means, Pastor. I know. If you'll say that, that means you're not responsible to have to do it. What if you just approach Jesus' teaching and say, if he said it, it's for me. I'm going to do it. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to surrender my whole life to it. I'm going to give everything I've got. It's simple. It's simple. i got to hurry. I've only a minute 55. Who took my time? A minute 52, 51. 50, oh, Jesus. Number two. Authority. Authority. I've only got three. I've only got three. Authority. He spoke with simplicity and he spoke with authority. The Pharisees would look down on people. They would say, you better do this or else. By the way, that's not authority. If you were raised in a religious context that they said, you better do this or else. Or else you're not one of us. Or else you're excommunicated. Or else you're out of the club. Or else you go to hell. That's not what Jesus didn't teach with that. He taught with authority. Authority means he's, he knows what he's talking about, everybody. When we say authority, you may think he's bossing you around. That's not what it means. It means he taught with mastery of the subject. In other words, he knows about your life more than you know about it. That's what authority means. You can, you can go to Jesus and say, now, now listen, Jesus, I don't know if you were ever married. Don't debate. Don't ask about it. Religious people just debate about it. Remember, I, well, he's never been married. He don't understand. If you go to Jesus and say, I believe you have authority, that means you have authority in my marriage. 
That means you mastered what it means. You you understand what I'm dealing with, the nuances of my relationship. It's not about, it's not about I'm better than you. I know more than you. It's not condescending to you. It's mastering of your life. It's there's authority that you have to speak into every area of my life. And some areas of our life we give completely to God, and then other areas we deserve to ourselves. God's good for this, but I'd rather go to books for this. God's God, I'm going to give you this, but I'm going to go to the wise, wisdom, spiritual counsel of Facebook for this. Hey, guys, what would y'all do? Who cares what they would do? They haven't mastered your life. Why don't you go to God and say, God, tell me what you would do with this. Tell me how to make a decision here. Tell me where I'm supposed to go, how I'm supposed to live. God, I believe you have authority and mastery in my life. Is Jesus the ultimate authority in your life? Look at me. Is he the ultimate authority of your life? Are you living like he knows what's best for you? Like he knows, I trust that you know what's best for me. You know what's best for my thought life. You know what's best for my children. You know what's best in my marriage. You know what's best in the matters of my heart. You, are, you have mastered every subject. Colossians 1.16 says it like this. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He has ultimate authority above all else, the genius of Jesus. Here's the last thing. Come play for him, Henry, until they think I'm ending. Is he had truth? Write that down. He had truth. He, he spoke in simplicity and he spoke with authority and, and, and he spoke the truth. You, you, you ever feel like, you ever feel like when you're reading the Bible that the Bible's actually reading you? You ever die? You're, you ever looked in the Bible and thought, oh, my gosh, that's me. That's, this is actually a time you could actually say, oh, my God. You know, like, oh, my, my God, like, this is me. Like this, like, this is talking to me. You ever sat in church and, and thought, how does he know that? You, anybody ever done that? How, I have. How does, how does he know that? Who t- <laughs> I shouldn't tell you this. I have couples, not here, second service, who, who, who will email me and say, did my husband tell you? He's been talking to you. I knew he'd been talking to you. He's been talking to me. And it's not even me talking to you. What if Jesus knows you? What if, what if he's got truth about you? Listen, it's, it's more than just he taught the truth. The genius of Jesus is that he was the truth. John 14 and 6 says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. I don't just know the truth about you. I am truth. You'll come to me. You'll find truth you're looking for. I, I, don't, I don't just know the truth. The, the, the truth knows the real you. The, 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 the hashtag struggle bus you. Come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's that, You. The you that nobody else knows. The insecurity is you. The I'm hiding this from my spouse you. The this can never change you. The I dealt with this all my life you. The scared little boy whose father left him and you're 50 years old. You. The teenage girl who was hurt and left and abused. You. He doesn't just know the truth. He doesn't just speak the truth. He is the truth. And and he said, I've got some thoughts about you since I know you. And And we'll end here. Psalms 139. 
probably one of my top five passages in all of the Bible. He said, you created my inmost being. By the way, David wrote this, this psalm, after he had committed adultery with Bathsheba, cheated on his wife. He had multiple wives, and it still wasn't enough because it's never satisfied, by the way. And, and so he cheated on his multiple wives with Bathsheba, who was married. Because he wanted to be with Bathsheba so much, she ended up pregnant, by the way. Uh, he, he had her husband killed, so it's murder and adultery. And, and, and the, the hiding from everybody, David, said this to God. You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I love this. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not, oh God. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was hiding from myself, you knew where I was. When I was hiding from my own insecurities and addictions and problems and fears and anxieties. When I, when I was in my secret place that nobody knew about that I cocooned up into. You still found me. You knew where I was. My frame was not hidden from you. My innermost being, you knew it. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth before anybody else knew me. Your eyes saw my unformed body. And all the days, the thing I love about the genius of this Jesus that I'll preach to you to the day I die, is that He doesn't just know you and where you are and how you are. It's that He doesn't just understand your sin, your problems, your addictions, your failures, your fears, your struggles. He doesn't just know you. But all the days were ordained for me are written in your book before ever one of them came to be. In other words, He doesn't just know you. He's got a plan for you. That's the genius of Jesus, is that He knows everything about you, and He still has a plan, a book written long before you were ever born. I got a book with your name on it. I got a purpose for your life. I got something for you to do with your life. You can't fail enough, mess up enough, walk away enough, give up enough, quit enough, stop praying enough, stop giving enough, stop coming enough. You can't do anything I know you and I got a plan for you. Stand up, stand up, stand up. I know you and I got a plan for you. That's the genius of Jesus. So the next four weeks, don't miss a single week. Don't miss one week of this series. But when you get here, I want you to know the genius of Jesus. Listen to me. It was simple. It has authority in your life. But the test of your life, look at me, the test of your life, The test of your life is not about acceptance into heaven. Listen to me. The most weighted test you'll take on earth is not about, because God loves you so much, it's not about just your acceptance into heaven. He loves you enough to care about your advancement on the earth. Because I wrote a book about you. Because I have a plan for you to marry and to accomplish something and to have joy and to be full of peace and to have the Holy Spirit give you power over sin and addiction. I have a plan for you. And over the next few weeks, I want you to know the greatest test of your life is not acceptance. It is the advancement of your life if you'll surrender your whole life to Him. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed.
Some of you feel like raising your hands. That's okay. You can do that right now. Father, I just give you my whole life. Come on, if you've never prayed that kind of prayer, pray it now. Jesus, I give you my whole life right now. Jesus, I've, I've kind of lived my life like there was just one test. Like there was just one thing I was supposed to do that, that as long as I, I had passed the heaven test, the acceptance test, that that was it. But what if you have more for me? What if I don't die tonight? What if I get up tomorrow? I need the genius of Jesus. I need wisdom to be a good father, to be a good mother. I need wisdom. I need joy in my life where it seems absent. I need peace in my anxiety, in my struggles. So Jesus, with my hands outstretched, come on everybody in the room, I surrender to the genius of your plan for my life. I give you the next four or five weeks. God, I'm celebrating what Easter did, what the cross did, what the resurrection meant. But what if there's more to my life than just dying and going to heaven? What if you've got power, victory, overcoming power? What if there's genius for me? What if there's advancement in our marriage? What if there's advancement in my purpose? What if I could take territory, spiritual ground? What if my children had a plan? What if our family really had purpose? What if you took all of my failures, my divorce, the abortion, the molestation, the sin, the addiction? What if you took all of that and you still worked it for my good? (laughs) So I surrender. Come on, say it out loud. I surrender. I surrender to you. I surrender to the simplicity of your message. I surrender. It's not easy, but it's simple. It's simple. It's simple to love the Lord with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I don't know how to do that, but I'm, I'm, I'm open. I'm surrendering to it. It's simple. I surrender to the authority of Jesus, that you have ultimate authority in my life, mastery of every subject that I have, every question I have, you're the answer to. I surrender to the truth that knows every part of me, every sin of me, every failure of me, and yet you have a plan for me. I surrender in all. In Jesus' name. Come on, give him a big amen, everybody. Come on, let's give him a shout of praise.